All righty, folks. We are back in the saddle. It is Sean Zock. It is also Dylan DeChair. It is always the Drop Zone. Admit it. Your favorite golf podcast. It is Tuesday of the week after the Super Bowl. Tuesday, the week after the Waste Management Phoenix Open. And we're on a Tuesday because we have something hot off the presses. It is the distance report from the USGA mm. and the RNA. We're going to go really deep into the, what it's called the Distance Insights Project. Highly confidential document that we got to look over. Uh, it just went live today. We're going to get into that in maybe 10, 15 minutes. But first, we got to talk about just the Phoenix Open for a little bit. Tony Finau lost in a playoff to Webb Simpson. Webb Simpson made a birdie in the playoff, a birdie on 18, and a birdie on 17 in regulation to steal it from Finau, who was kind of in cruise control. Dylan, the, the only question that we really need to talk about is, did Finau choke it away? Because he hasn't gone out and won a really, really big-time golf tournament. This was an opportunity. I mean, this is a painful question to answer because, you know, everyone in the golf world really has a lot of love we for Tony Finau. Finau. He's such a nice guy. <laughs> They're all nice guys. Look. He's very nice. He didn't choke it away. I won't go that far, but he certainly didn't go and seize this golf tournament. You look at his back nine, right? He birdies 12. He How about birdies his front 13. Nine? Zero birdies. Well, yeah. I mean, but maybe I don't think that's choking. That's like no. something slightly different. I think of choking being sort of at the end when the pressure is really ramped up. Um, he finishes with five pars in a row. Notably four pars in a row, I guess, because it starts at 15. He's got four iron into the green, finds the bunker on a par five and two, ends up making par. 17 was a tough moment. It's that drivable par four. You know, there's trouble. There's water left. Finau actually hits driver probably too far to hit driver off the tee. But instead, he hit this, you know, slappy pop-up three wood. A lot of spin. In the air, the announcers were like, that's looking perfect, just what he needs, front of the green, and then boom. In the bunker. 30 yards short of the green, in the bunker. He leaves himself the worst shot in golf, like a 68-yard yeah. bunker shot. So that was not good, and Webb Simpson picked up one shot there. And then 18, Finau hit an, a really good drive, really good shot into about eight feet, and barely, barely got his putt to the yeah. hole. So this is not Finau choking. I think when you got to look at this stuff, it's uh, it's two different things happening. Finau is not winning it, and Webb Simpson is winning it. Like it would be one thing for Finau to have a five shot lead and actually choke it away with the number of bogeys, but if you, if you look at it, Tony Finau shot seventy on Sunday in the final round in the final group. That is lower than the field average, mind you, which was seventy point six, which was the toughest conditions of the week. He had a two shot lead with three holes to play, which makes you think, holy cow, he totally blew it. But you look at those final four holes, the course average on those final four holes, 15.3. Finau took 16 strokes, so mm. 0.7 above average. Webb Simpson only took 15. So it's not like you know what Webb did on those final four holes really, really was way, way, way better than Finau. It was one stroke better. They actually played very similar down the stretch. Finau just kind of was the one on the, the bottom end of it again. It just feels like a choke because the guy hasn't really won a big time event. Yeah. Ever. He hasn't. And that is pretty crazy because what is it now? Seven runner ups since his last win and 29 or 30 top 10 finishes. He is the number 12 player in the world. I mean, look, it, it's not like guys can either just win or they can't win. It's not that black and white. Even Webb Simpson, you look at a guy who had 
uh, three or four top threes in his last 10 starts without having a win. So guys definitely go through ebbs and flows of actually closing out and winning golf tournaments. But man, you would just like to see Tony Finau come out and maybe make a birdie in the first 12 holes of the tournament and go seize this thing. Well, I think also we want this to happen because we want him to be a big-time killer. We want him to be a great Ryder Cup player. He's been okay thus far in Ryder Cups and President's Cups. We want him to be, you know, as as beastly as his potential and his talent seems to show us. I mean, this is the guy that turned pro at 17. He was phenomenal. He helped bring his family along. He, he was helping his mother and his father like make it through what is a, a pretty difficult lifestyle because he was playing professional golf. They gave him everything. So you want to see him live up to his potential, but he hasn't turned it into Ws. And we don't think that we can see him win a major until he wins like a normal tour event. Totally. I mean, he's only won the Puerto Rico Open, which <laughs> you can say the same thing about Martin Trainer. They Final, each have their only win at the yeah. Puerto Rico Open. And he uh, the thing about Finau, though, is like he probably had a good chance to win the Masters last year. Probably had a pretty good chance to win at Shinnecock, the U.S. Open, prior to that. Mm -hmm. He's had a couple really, really big-time moments that he hasn't exactly faltered in, but he uh, he also like hasn't shown that he's a killer in the way that Brooks Koepka definitely is. Yeah. So and there's a huge difference there. You saw it really in his driving on Sunday, I think. He only hit five fairways after hitting 12 fairways on Saturday yeah. Yeah. when he torched the course. Um, and so that's a part of it because obviously his driver is such a weapon when he puts it in the fairway, even though it still just looks like he's hitting chip shots off the tee, which I guess for Tony, he really is. But he's hitting chip shots, you know, 330. But enough about Fino because Webb Simpson won. Webb Simpson is now the number seven player in the world. Jumped to Cantlay, jumped Justin Rose, jumped Xander Shoffley. Yeah. Webb Simpson is, has been one of the best players on tour over the last two years. He's got Tiger Woods in his sights. Yeah. And <laughs> everyone around him bombs the ball. I guess Tiger doesn't really bomb it anymore. But if you look at everyone else, you know, in that top 10, pretty much all bombers. Certainly everyone ahead of Tiger. We're going to talk about bombers in another, what, five to 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. You're right about that. But I do want to get a little bit of a take in about the waste management Phoenix Open. Mm -hmm. Because, Sean, if you'll allow me to be a prisoner of the moment, as we always are. <sighs> When it comes to, you know, golf and its place in our society, mm -hmm. I think the Waste Management Phoenix Open is the second most important PGA Tour event. Take out the majors. Okay. The players is still bigger. Mm -hmm. But, all right, think of the content that comes out of Waste Management. It's not like, not the Influencer Summit, which is exhausting, but it's like the people that are in the stands, there's hundreds of thousands of people there especially Friday and Saturday, sending out Instagram stories, Snapchats, TikToks, and other stuff that I don't really <laughs> understand. But think about how many conversations you'll have, especially our demographic, you know, late 20s, white dudes who have buddies who are out there for the weekend. Uh, you know, what other tour events do out-of-towners mm. even go to? Mm. This is the one. Uh, I think the only others that are within scope here uh, none of the WGCs, just because they're kind of weird now. No. Uh, Mexico event is not that huge. I would defy any non-rabid golf fan to name the four WGCs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think the biggest competitor to the waste management, besides the players, obviously you said 
that that is above it. And maybe the players is not even that far above it. Yeah. Maybe that's up for debate. The the competitors would be Farmers Insurance open at Tory because Tory is is now become this enshrined place where Tiger Woods did his biggest act of Superman. And it's a public course and it's in San Diego and Tiger always plays it and generally has one of the best fields of the year. That's pretty legit. Um, Also, that is a bookend of waste management with the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Now, that event was even, was bigger back then when it was the Crosby Clambake. Um, This is decades ago, but no other world exists in which you can watch Bill Murray hit a shot in the same way Dustin Johnson does mm-hmm. minutes from each other. Uh, all of the celebrities play there. Like this, this kind of tradition continues. Steph Curry gets involved. Like it is a really, really big event to show random people, some celebrities playing the game. I don't think that it is higher in, in notoriety in famous in, in fame. Are, than are you getting mentioned. on board with I'm my getting take? on board thus far? Now, hold on. I need to run through the rest of these. I think, mm-hmm. I think the Zurich Classic has potential. Get out of here with that. Only, 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 only because it doesn't. It clearly is not. But it has the most potential of all the events because it's team golf. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were somehow to get Tiger Woods team up with someone and play the Zurich Classic, mm. that's one more Tiger Woods than you had playing in Phoenix last week. It is. There is there is a very, very big amount of potential at the Zurich Classic. And be, let me finish. The only other contenders would be the playoff events. Uh, probably the first two because they are in the greater Northeast area between Boston and New York mm-hmm. where there's a ton of people and you can go to any of those cities and still take in a pretty big golf event or when the BMW is very, very in and around Chicago because that's the best 70 players in the in the world, right? That's the best field the best invitational field in the world outside of the majors. So there's all this potential, but I do think that you're right. I think waste management is slightly above all of them. Well, I think farmers is an interesting example, right? Because tiger is sort of the trump card in all of this. If tiger's playing, the ratings will be higher. People will be paying attention. Yep. Farmers has, has taken the role of like kicking off the season really because it's just the first event that tiger woods plays. Yeah. You know, there's the Sony, there's Hawaii stuff. But no, that really does mark the start of the well, PGA Rory Tour season. Too. I mean, Rory's not playing in Hawaii. Like Hawaii is, for all intents and purposes, a bit of an exhibition in many yeah. ways. But it's the crazy thing about waste management is the field doesn't even have to be that insanely strong for it to be a big deal. It reminds me of like, all right, I decided it's the Nashville of PGA Tour events because it's not going to enter your day-to-day life. It's not like a major player in America's cityscape. But you'll have a buddy on a bachelor party there like, you know, once a month. So it kind of stays at the edge of your mind. If you look at this weekend's events, the field in Saudi Arabia was almost as strong yep. as the field in the PGA Tour event in Scottsdale. But, you know, we paid one... 30th the amount of attention to what was going on in Saudi Arabia and really most of that was just you know the more controversial (laughs) pieces of it all Um, Dustin Johnson almost winning the event didn't really register on anyone's radar I would say and then the final piece of it because it's not really about the result it's not really that much about the golf it's about the experience of like being there day drinking it's a big party and if there's a memorable moment from this weekend 
no offense to Webb Simpson, it's probably Tony Finau in his Kobe jersey. Yeah. Making putts on 16. You know, this is golf's connection to the outer world. Yeah, Webb Simpson made an ace on the 12th hole, but it almost <laughs> didn't matter to anyone in the world because Tony Finau almost made an ace on 16. Yeah. The only thing that could really make the waste management better is if the first 14 holes were better. Mm. The final yeah. four holes are a lot of fun and they amp them up and hype them up. And that's where dozens of thousands of people go when they watch this event. But the first, I could not tell you what the first 12 holes of TPC Scottsdale look like. That's not good. Yeah. All but right. It's not their problem. They got enough going for them. My final thought on this though, is that, well, first of all, it's the perfect appetizer for the Super Bowl. Those final four holes get exciting. They're coming on, you know, maybe 4 p.m. when people are starting to arrive at Super Bowl parties. The, the guac is out, but like the pizza hasn't been delivered yet. You're still watching a little bit of golf. And then actually kind of awkward when it goes to a playoff. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it doesn't get done before. It's like a little too close. But what it made me think is, okay, there's this whole world golf tour being proposed but there still is some power to some of these PGA Tour events just on their own because the fact that Justin Thomas was there was not really what made this event. This event was bigger than JT, John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, some of the big names in attendance. You look at, you know, DJ and Brooks Kepka were halfway around the world. We ignored that event. So there is still some power that is not just, oh, these star players are in this place, therefore we'll yeah. care about it. Mm -hmm. Makes me a little concerned for the idea of that tour. That's fair. Let's move on to something that's also a concern is the distance insights report. We have it in our hands. Mm. It is in physical form. It is in paper form. You printed it out. I like that. Yeah. Uh, this thing is both big and small. Like it's significant and insignificant. The USGA and the RNA came together for conclusions from the distance insight project. Implications of hitting distance yeah. In golf. Let's start with just how big it is because this is, well, what you are holding is really just a summary of mm -hmm. takeaways. This thing is like, we're talking Mueller report. We're talking affordable care act. There's a library of 57 documents, yeah, thousands worth of pages going online for people that really do want to go deep on the data and the research. Um, I guess the USGA really does want to be transparent about what's going down here. So they're, they are publishing all that stuff online, but there's a lot to go through. Yeah. But tell me about the, the document you're holding. So that's why I called it both big and small, because it, it feels like it is huge in its scope and also very small and uh, the effectual nature of it. But at least that's what we're dealing with right now. They gave me a summary of all the conclusions. And I think that the report is very forthright in establishing what are the problems with distance mm -hmm. and the butterfly effect that each of those problems have on the game for everyone, yourself included with Ricky Fowler. Um, good example would be longer courses equals longer playing time equals people are less inclined to play again or just play nine holes. Longer distances slow the pace at which players can play throughout the course uh, of a round which means you wait longer on tee boxes, which makes less room for the golf course, uh, meaning the fewer groups can play, fewer tee times, fewer money <laughs> for all involved. So it's very, very forthright in every single way that the big D word distance affects the game. Now, the conclusion is that what we don't get is that very, very, very obvious next steps that the USGA is going to implement right now. Mm -hmm. We don't get that 
at all. In fact, it moves on from basically saying distance is not good to very vague um, next steps that the USGA wants to use. They want to use the next 45 days to tell people basically everywhere they're going to look into analyzing the game. And then the the next nine to 12 months after that to try and implement and like try to actually reach true effective conclusions. So all of it to say is like distance, not good, not good for the game of golf in any fashion, but we still need about, you know, 18 months to figure out what it's going to mean for us. Right. And I think a lot of us already thought that that 18 months was happening, was happening. We were already in that. So instead, what this document does in a lot of different words and ways is that, you know, the cycle of the ball going further, of people hitting it further, and of golf courses getting longer and expanding their footprint is detrimental to golf's future, I think was the phrase that uh, Mike Davis used on a call just a short time ago. So there is a problem. That's pretty much what this establishes. Mm -hmm. And I think... We knew that. I think that what that is meant to do is send a signal to the biggest stakeholders in the game. A.K.A. The equipment manufacturers. Yes. All your very, very popular equipment manufacturers are being put on notice. They actually use that. They say, this is notice for equipment manufacturers and stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that means... The masters. Well, golf course owners. The of America. Runners. Um, you know, people in the industry. That your, Yourself and myself. Yeah. Um, so a couple, a couple interesting takeaways, uh, because I was just putting this together for golf.com. One of them, I don't think we're going to see bifurcation, Nope. but that comes with an asterisk. So we asked Mike Davis very specifically and, uh, well, really the USGA's stance was that that remains one of the great parts of golf is that people at all levels of the game are playing with the same equipment. They're playing, you know, under the same rules. Yeah playing the same game. So I don't think we're going to see bifurcation. However, one thing that is introduced in this report is the option for a local rule under which a course could specify its own or a tournament restrictions. Yes. A course or tournament committee could basically say, here are the restrictions for your golf ball or your golf club for this tournament. And the USGA would recognize that. So let's, let's use, um, Essex County Country Club, where you and I have played a number of rounds. We've played even club-sponsored tournament rounds. Mm -hmm. They could say, for our next member guest, we are going to be using golf balls that are dialed back to fly at only 85% their max distance, and we're going to be using hickory clubs. Mm -hmm. And in order to compete in this event, you have to do it this way. Um, That would be a local rule established for that event. And it could be used by the Met Golf Association also going there. Um, that is very intriguing, but it's not a demand. Yeah. Basically, I think they're just saying, yeah, we could do this. <laughs> like, You can establish a rule and govern your events this way, but we're not telling you that you have to. Right. And that falls in line with the way I feel about a lot of this report, which is I still don't know whether to believe the tough language in it because there is some tough language, you know, and I think the USGA to the USGA, this is a big deal. They're sort of saying, look, distance has been increasing for 120 years. We've been talking about this literally for a century, but this is the first time we're, we're kind of putting our foot down. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they also explicitly said that they do not 
anticipate any sort of rollback in distance. Mm -hmm. It seems more like, okay, we just don't want things going any further. Well, they also said that it will. Like they said that equipment manufacturers will continue to push the limits and there is still room for limits to be pushed. They, They think that players will continue to still try and become quasi robots in what they're doing with their bodies and their swings there is room for more gains mm-hmm. now, right now the top 20 players in the wor- in in distance on the PGA tour hit the ball on average 310 yards off the tee that's an increase of about 7 or 8 yards from 6 or 7 years ago yeah so that has happened in less than a decade they're seeing over the next decade the same amount of gains like we will probably see over the next 25 years the top 20 players in distance hit the ball 15 yards further on average. Then we're talking about 325 yards on average off the tee from the likes of a Justin Thomas. 325 yards average off the tee means just as many 300-yard drives as 350-yard mm-hmm. drives. Yeah, That's when you start thinking, holy cow, none of our par fours are going to be driver mid-iron. They are all going to be driver short-iron. Webb Simpson yesterday on 18, 437-yard par four. Three-wood. Three-wood lob wedge. Webb Simpson. Yep. When he won the the players players last year, he was the shortest player in the field and the straightest. But, I mean, the point stands. Yeah. And and I should say, though, part of that has nothing to do with the equipment manufacturers, by the way. A lot of that is conditioning of the golf courses. There's plenty that makes the ball go far besides just, you know, the golf ball, the golf club. Yes. The fact that he has perfectly optimized his golf swing to maximize power, maximize, you know, low spin, rollout, et cetera. That's track man. It's the weight room, et cetera. But that's just getting started. There's no sign of that slowing down. We really are just getting started with this document because in the other next steps that the USGA calls for, It says, we also intend to pursue several other topics, reviewing our equipment testing processes, protocols, and standards. Basically just saying, we're going to figure out if we need to even dial back some clubs potentially, or like the standards by which clubs are approved to be conforming. Another one would be assessing and providing guidance on how golf course design, agronomy, maintenance, and setup can affect hitting distance, aka should you grow the rough crazy should Mm -hmm. you should your course have bunkers more bunkers than it currently has in the fairway should your fairways be baked out um should it be firm and fast or should you make it very lush and have no rollout and very tight fairways Um, another one that the usj intends to pursue is assessing and providing uh, guidance on the availability of short enough forward tees and the appropriate tee to hole playing distance for golfers of mm-hmm. all levels. Now, this is this, the opposite problem. This is well. This is hugely important for mm-hmm. people like myself, and I guess yourself, because you're no longer chasing uh, tournament victories, so to say. Is that people? The USGA does not think that people play the proper tees that they should play from. Right. That is that is probably one of the most obvious. Like it's not underlined, but it's basically underlined in a number of ways in this text. Is like. There are the most forward tees at all. A lot of golf courses are not forward enough. So the people who struggle to play have to play a set of tees that is probably too far for them. Also, people like myself, nine or 10 handicap, are probably playing the back tees a little bit too much. They said here in the report, every 100 yards 
that you cut off of your distance that you're playing a course from. Let's say you're saying 7,200 yard course. If you cut off 100 yards, you're going to play that golf course in one to one and a half minutes lesser time on average. So the difference between a set of black tees and blue tees is probably 600 to 700 yards. You take off 700 yards, play an appropriate set of tees, you're playing 10 minutes faster. If the final two groups play 10 minutes faster, that's 10 minutes more daylight for each course to add two more sets of tee times. Mm -hmm. Now, these are like, we're stringing out the effects of this. But if you can properly place people on the right set of tee boxes, you get more people on your golf course, you get people around quicker. And for a place like Pebble Beach, every foursome that is paying $500 to play that place, that's two grand in revenue each day, almost three quarters of a million dollars over the course of a year in revenue. Like it doesn't mean anything to Pebble Beach, but it means a lot to Aaron Hills Mm -hmm. and places like Chambers Bay that like rely upon public play every single day of the year that that blew me away as as the thing in the distance report that the usga is focused on with amateurs yeah i I will say i was playing golf last week in orlando and i saw something that continues to just drive me nuts which is like on a par four you'll see say the green tees and the purple tees and on a 430 yard par four the green tees might be 428 yards. Yep. The purple tees might be 432 yards. Yeah. And there's like four yards difference between these sets of tees. And that is effectively zero difference. There's no actual mm-hmm. difference there. And if you want to actually make these tee boxes matter, you should be spreading them out way further. It's funny. We talked to Susie Whaley about, you know, there shouldn't really be stop calling them men's and women's tees just provide a bunch of different sets of tees stop yeah. putting like certain ones on the bottom of the scorecard just lay out a set of sets of tees but make them actually different from mm-hmm. each other make the ranges wide put some forward tees on there there's no tee shaming happening here it is interesting though that this is a distance report and there are the the majority of the findings are about the ball going too far but then there are also a bunch of findings about you know, people actually should be playing shorter courses. Yeah. Uh, I just think that over the next 15 months, the USGA is going to have to take some type of stand. They're going to have to say, this is what we believe is in the best health of the game. And we're going to, to rule under these, you know, guidelines, these bylaws, the, the Callaways and TaylorMades and Titleists. We want you guys in on this. And these are our rules moving forward. Like, the USGA could take a stand and say, we're not playing our events at courses that are longer than 7,600 yards. Just like we will take any course that's under 76 and we're going to, if we want it to be the US Open, it's going to be tricked up to be the US Open. Chambers Bay, if you want to host our US Open, you need to create a set of tee boxes that will challenge the best players in the world, but will not be more than 7,600 yards. Same for Aaron Hills and Torrey Pines. Like, Make a stand on distance. Make a stand that 77 is 200 or is 100 too many, maybe 500 too many. Like mm-hmm. we need to set a ceiling. There's no ceilings set in golf. And that's why I think we continue to push it. Like determine that 320 yards average off the tee is 15 too many. What is too much? Yeah. We've never decided what too much is. We have not decided. And to your point, I mean, if you roll it back, 
if you roll the ball or the equipment back in some way, then you run into the exact same problem you just mentioned, which is that if you're playing effectively a longer golf course, it's going to be harder. It's going to take longer. It might not be as much fun. Um, but if you don't roll it back, then as they're admitting here, you're just feeding into the problem, which is getting worse and worse and is, you know, making all of these things true. Golf is more resource mm -hmm. intensive, more expensive, less fun, etc. I think this is definitely a, like distance being an issue in the pro game is, uh, it's, it's a replica of where we are. It's like, it's like a mirror image of where we are in the modern, the modern professional game in which there are all these stats and there's all this track man data on how far you're hitting it and, and your scoring ability from the rough from a hundred yards compared to the fairway from a hundred yards. And it is all pointed to distance is good. Distance is good. Distance is good. You got to bomb it, bomb it, bomb it, bomb it and gouge it. Well, the courses on the PGA tour, the USGA need to show people if that is not good, if that does not help challenge or live up to the challenge of golf, a course needs to, to show these people that that's not the way. And you know what? Aaron Hills did that a little bit. Brooks Kepka dominated it because he hit it far. He hit it far and he hit it straight. But like Rory and DJ and Jason Day all missed the cut that week because they flew it long and left, long and right, all mm -hmm. over the property. They all missed the cut. Brian Harmon was right there at the end, wasn't he? Yeah. And you know, Aaron Hills gets vilified because it was a US Open course. Brooks Kepka shot 16 under. Everyone else was 12 under or yes. worse. So the Wisconsin defensiveness is really I, coming through here well i'm just saying is that the stand needs to be made with an example is that example shinnecock hills is it aaron hills where is the the example where you know what don't hit driver don't hit driver everywhere maybe it's tory pines next year the rough will be grown out like crazy the guys still end up bombing into it and just chunking out it's almost like a forced lesson that yeah. needs to happen. Well, and that comes again, though, in contrast to like the modern movement for firm, fast, wide, you know. Yeah, 350 having... yards is great. If you hit the middle of the fairway and it runs because it's firm and fast, mm -hmm. be my guest. You've hit one great golf shot. Yeah. You're not going to do that 14 times. I'm just saying the, the modern, you know, woke architecture <clears throat> school would tell you that narrow fairways with high penal rough that's not really what people want. It's not what the average golfer wants, but maybe it is the defense mm -hmm. against these pros. I mean, it's this is all just such a thorny problem and distance continues to get more and more rewarded because guys like Brooks Kepka are saying, I'd rather bash driver as far as I can, well, have sand wedge left, than you yeah. know, hit iron off the tee, have a mid or long iron from the fairway. And that's kind of, there's some parallels with like Steph Curry theory where- mm -hmm. Is it good that Brex Kupka just smashes driver as far as he can hit it? Doesn't matter if he hits it in the rough or in a bunker or in the fairway. He's got it closer to the green. Is it okay that Steph Curry shoots from thirty feet? Yeah, like that's extending the parameters of the game. It's it's easier for him because he gets a little bit more uh, of an open look from thirty feet than he does from twenty five. Like Steph has changed the game, and I think people have thought that's good for basketball. Brooks Kepka and those guys have changed the game and it's being treated as bad for golf. Let's extend that out a little bit because I think the worst possible version of what, you know, people would say Steph has done to the game is Steph just dribbles up the court each time, every possession, every Warriors possession, Steph dribbles up and just shoots from 40 feet because mm -hmm. that is like the most efficient yeah. offense possible. Mm -hmm. No one else ever touches the ball. He just runs up 
shoots from 40 feet. That's it. I guess the golf equivalent of that would be like a long drive guy being out there and, you know, not even really worrying about what the trouble is on the hole, just saying, hey, for me, the most efficient thing to do here is maximize distance, hit it as far as possible, make it so that my driver is as long as possible, Mm -hmm. has as much power as possible. I'll gain half a stroke on the field every single hole. Right. Because eventually, four over and a half time, strokes over the course of an eighteen-hole round, yep. and I win every golf tournament. And that's more effective than you know having a, taking a bunch of sixteen-footers and working the ball around. Mm-hmm. I want to propose a theory. Bring we, it. we have a couple of theories that we'll now propose. We can get in the weeds and get a little bit goofy, but how about this? Now, you and I struggle. I think. Well, you and I play a lot of golf together, and you're a much better player than I am. And you have only on occasion played a set of tees further back from me. Mm-hmm. You did it at Pine Valley because I sucked and you were playing <laughs> great. But most cases we're playing the same set of tees because, yep, if I rip one, I'm about the same distance as you out in the fairway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are very clear differences between you and me that don't exist on the tee box. Approaching, you're much better approaching the green, you're better on the green, and you're better around the green. So my theory that we could maybe put forward is everybody – Every single player um, within a certain handicap range starts on a certain tee box. Mm. So every person who's a five handicap to a 12 handicap starts on the blue tees, right? Maybe the men's set of tees. You would be starting on the black tees because you're a plus three. I am currently like a 10.2. I'm starting on the blues. The first three holes, you play from that specific set of tees designed for you and your handicap, your abilities. Mm -hmm. If you shoot even par on those three holes, cumulative, so you can make one birdie and a bogey and a par, then you're going to move back one set of tees. You should be able to roam from black to blue to, you know, maybe the yellow is the next set of tees up. If you're playing like crap from the blues... There's no reason to continue playing from the blues. If I get to be a three handicap and I should be playing from the blacks and I just have one of those Sean days where you freaking spray it right and right of right. Mm -hmm. And maybe you dump a couple off the right off the tee. I should not be playing from the blacks. Yeah. Maybe pull four iron out, get a couple of those off the tee. All I'm thinking is that I'm starting on the blues and if I shoot even par, then I'll go back and play the back tees. If I shoot double bogey golf, then I should probably move up a set of tees because I don't have it today. Mm, I'm not like fully sold on this idea. Why? Because it it seems like it's making everything more complex rather than simpler. And like, how do you enter your score afterwards? Because everything is hole by hole based. Like you mm-hmm. ha- today, I've played twelve. So you got to write down which tee you played on which well, hole. We're talking about millennials, Dylan, and millennials mm. want golf catered to them. They want a course that makes sense for carte. them. Yes, a la carte. Now, I know it's being a bit more complex and you're playing potentially a different set of tees, but you just have to pay a little bit more attention and get involved with maybe it's 6,900 yards from the blues and it's 6,100 yards from the yellows. Why shouldn't I be somewhere in the middle playing a combination of both? Maybe I'm asking for more combination teams. All right. Well, Maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah. I, and I like that idea and I'll allow it. But I think we're getting in some ways kind of sidetracked from you're giving me a half-baked solution for a T problem. I want your half-baked solutions for 
distance problems. Well, Actually, distance, maybe I just want to give my own. We'll get to yours, but mine is based on something that USGA cares about a lot is the amount of time that you're spending on the golf course. Yeah. Like I know that if I play whistling straights from the black tees, it's going to take me 20 more minutes than if I play from two tees up. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it will no doubt. Yeah. Like, over the course of four hours or 18 holes, whatever, like it just adds up. So the USGA cares a lot about those 20 minutes and they should because like pace of play is a gigantic thing in this game. It is. Yeah. And and enjoyment. And and they talk about it a lot in here. I know they do. I know. But I think as far as like big changes happening to the game, fundamental structural changes, I think it is really like whether something is going to happen to the golf ball, to golf clubs to specs made okay so you think it's more plausible that we'll institute some other rules that are completely foreign to the game right now than the usga just saying hey six handicaps this is your tee box i'm just more intrigued by it i guess (laughs) okay i'm bored of your teeing ground solutions this might be my 2020 like campaign i like find your tee box find your tee hashtag you could make it get it trending no me and my roommate just agreed that uh, all, all good hashtags are bad, or no, Ooh. no, no. We, what do we agree? We agreed that the hashtag died about five years ago, and now the only good hashtags are ironic hashtags. Yikes! Yeah, I think you're probably right. Yep. I don't. Yeah, no one really hashtags no one has anyway. Good hashtags anymore. All right, the hashtag is dead. What's not dead? Some solutions that I would like to propose. Go ahead. All years. I'm not even claiming any of these as original solutions. I just want to like put them out there into the ether. Yeah. For, you've talked with a lot of stakeholders. Discuss amongst yourselves. I you know, these I've now brought these up enough times that I can't even remember exactly where they originated. But some simple ideas to limit the effect of people hitting the ball too far off the tee. Number one, ban the driver. No more D stick. No more driver. You know, you I would love that. Make the head smaller. <laughs> Guys hit three wood a mile anyway. We tried some funky clubs out at the PGA show last year where the the club face was what the size of like two quarters put yeah. together and the ball still went really far. So this really all this does is is makes it so that the driver is not like the easiest club to hit in the bag, mm-hmm. which to some extent it is now. I know some of you listening will say, I don't know. <laughs> Driver's the only club where I miss 120 yards to the right. Yep. But if you're like stepping out onto the first tee, you're a little nervous and you're like, I just want to make solid contact with something. Think about what club you're most comfortable pulling out. Well, the, the probably th- driver. Yeah. And, and the three wood is currently the size of a driver in the nineties. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would not, that would not really be um, too big of a step back, but. So, but it would be meaningful in the sense that it would be harder to just pull out driver and fly at 310 down the fairway. So you're, what, what you're talking about is not necessarily a, uh, you're talking about equipment specs getting dialed back there. The this amount is, of, uh, the volume size of a club head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From 460 back to whatever a three wood is. I'm not it's sure. It's 300. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's number one. Number two, which I like even more. No tees allowed. You're no longer allowed to tee up the golf ball. I mean, both of these would make me better. Three wood only, off the deck, I'm smacking that thing. Why are we teeing up the ball to begin with? It's the only time you do it. 
You know, you're not teeing it up from the fairway. It's it's a bit unnatural. Just put the ball on the ground. And hit it. Back to basics and hit it. If you can hit driver off the deck, by all means, have at it. There's a number of munis out there that uh, tee boxes are not their number one priority for maintenance. Mm. And I just think like, holy cow. It's a lot of, uh, you know, home tracks that are a bit rocky. That's a fair point. The teeing grounds might start getting a little bit more attention. But you would also start seeing some more irons off the tee. And who was it? Laura Davies that was kind of like gouging up the tee box to like tee the ball up on the grass. None of that either. What? No, you can't do that. (laughs) That's natural. It's not natural. (laughs) Are you kidding? You can't do that the rest of the course. You can't pick up your ball and build a little grass tee on the fairway. It's literally made of nature. (laughs) All right. It's natural, but it's unnatural. Yep. What do you think of that idea? That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that would be your most practical. You would just sink the golf tee uh, making companies. Yeah, yeah. The golf tee companies definitely take a hit. I mean, obviously <laughs> I the driver so. companies also are not thrilled about this, but you get this whole new lane where all of a sudden anyone, everyone that's anyone wants like a hip new mm. off the ground you're driver also, off the deck. You're it's kind like of a whole new eliminating world. the idea of driver off the deck. That's just driver. It's just that. It's just that's the big stick. Yeah. And boom, all of a sudden it's hard to hit again. Yeah. <laughs> I have plenty of difficulty with it already. All right. I only have one more idea. And this one is actually, I have two more. One is from Golden Tea. Let me just throw that one out there first, which is just extra dog legs. There's just dog legs everywhere. Mm. No straight so it's holes. It's kind of like a, you're, you're kind of like a, like a, it's a puzzle. Every golf course is a puzzle. And yeah. You have to go certain places. It's sort of like a maze. Yeah. It's, this is ultimate target golf. Mm. Every reroute, every golf course, boom, you, you hit it 240 straight out there. And then maybe you hit it 140 and then maybe you have like 80 yards and you've gone in a big, but you gotta L. have, uh, you gotta have a lot of trees. You gotta have a bunch of trees. Or just walls. A whole bunch, of, maybe walls. Maybe yeah. just walls. <laughs> So like the great courses along well, the Great Wall you're, of China. You're starting to edge into solution number four here, which I don't want you to do. But the point being, like extra distance doesn't even matter. Maybe you get to hit seven iron for your second shot instead of uh, mm. you know three iron. But who cares? You're still not hitting driver like sixty yards past everybody. Yeah, that just That's takes solution a, number three. Really kind of. There's a little bit of golden tea. Distance in that one. being a skill is uh, a big thing. That's target golf. That is goes away. That that goes against most major architectural principles. So I'm not sure I'm the biggest fan, but it is a solution. I can't wait till someone goes uh, logs online and just roasts you for that. Number four comes from Alan Bastable, <laughs> our uh, the boss of our website, our operations here at golf.com. He said the other day, you know, why don't you just build a little wall in front of every tee box? Little wall. Uh, how big is little? <laughs> I mean, it's got to be somewhat sizable. It's got to be tall enough that you cannot hit driver. Mm-hmm. But you far know, enough away you that you're just not hit driver in over. But yeah, that's true. Well, that would, I guess, be extra motivation to not hit driver, knowing it can just trampoline right back into you. But really, it's just making sure that you hit a lofted club off the tee. You got to launch that thing. You know, who hits the ball pretty high with the driver. Rory. Rory McIlroy. Thomas. Yep. Yeah. So maybe they would just be hitting a hard flighted six iron off the tee. Or just driver because they hit the ball freaking high with driver. Mm. Also, all right. 
it's a sand wall, so you don't have to worry about the ricochet effect. Oh, okay. So that solves that piece of it. Again, half-baked, so maybe these guys just hit driver too high. You might have to combine this. I can't this. believe I enter- I've entertained the second half you of You might have to combine this with the no T rule also, so then you couldn't just hit driver super high. That might be... You have plenty of thinking to do on this. That could be the silver bullet solution right there. Do you have anything more to add? The only thing I have to add here is that I hope people don't torch the USGA for what this is. If the USGA really, really, really wanted to put its flag in the ground and say, this is the future by which golf will be defined, they would have done that. I don't think they wanted to be hasty. I don't think they're comfortable with making any broad sweeping changes to the game right now. But they're very comfortable saying that it's a problem. So I tend to trust the combination of them and the RNA, the two biggest stakeholders in the game, in the world, to make this happen and to make it right. Will they do it? I'm not sure. But like, I'm okay giving another 18 months, 15 months worth of you know, hands off to see what they come up with. I just hope that the people don't be like, why aren't there any like effects right now? Why, where are the effects? Where are the solutions, you mean? Where, yeah. Like, where will the game go? People aren't going to get that answer right now. No. They're going to have to be more patient. They're not. And I, and I think that that is my biggest concern with this document is, you know, I'd really been looking to this as something that was going to provide direction for our future. But in their own words, they're really, this is not providing solutions. This is not here to give us a, a blueprint or a map forward. And that does concern me a little bit. Well, they've talked more about the problems. Yeah. They've addressed more about the problems. They've even said that it is a problem, which, you know, this always gets like equated to climate change. And some people do not agree even on the fact that there is like climate change, that that is a real problem. We are now all, I think, in agreement that the ball travels too far. Why it travels too far, I think a lot of different stakeholders would point to different things. But we have, we are kind of arriving together at, okay, this probably can't go too much further or it's really going to fundamentally change in a negative way. Golf. So that still leaves us with some questions. hard questions to answer. I've provided four answers. I would love to hear uh, equally more or less baked answers from our listeners but i don't know sean we'll have to see definitely let us know what you think of the distance insights project of dylan's quarter baked ideas at best uh we will be at the genesis invitational next week Woo, all week a bunch of podcasting out there with jeff shackelford joel damon uh other people a couple surprise guests couple we surprises, hope. yeah so lots of podcast episodes coming from the genesis Stay tuned. We will talk to you then.